Kawhi goes to Toronto and they win a championship and everyone goes crazy. It's like Kevin Durant's not around. LeBron's not around. Is Kawhi the best player on the planet? I, I remember even Max Kellerman, he was like, he had that soundbite that everyone makes fun of nowadays. Kawhi has more clutch moments in the playoffs than, than Kobe Bryant. Right. And, and you have Jay Williams on the side. Tell me about those clutch moments. So like everyone has those re like overreactions after, after big performances in the finals. I mean, Kawhi is amazing. I think he's probably a top 20 player of all time, but I mean, to say he's the best player in the league. But with the fate of the universe on the line, do you want Kawhi or Kobe? I think you want Iguodala. Exactly. You want Iguodala. (laughs) You want Iguodala. going on guys welcome back to another episode of bruise and bruise views the show with cold drinks and new cold takes so we're taping this episode sunday evening september 12th so the summer is gone the fall is here and school's back but school's not the only thing that's back nfl football is also back so um in honor of this first week uh we're gonna do a little bit of an overreaction episode today so we're gonna be overreacting to everything that happened in uh, this first week of football. And later on, the Riley brothers actually return uh, to this podcast. I don't know why, but um, they, they come back on the podcast to uh, overreact to some NBA playoffs, to uh, all this Giannis legacy talk. And uh, they're going to be talking about their upcoming projects with um, their film production company, Walnut House Pictures. So they got a lot of cool stuff going on over there. I will link uh, their YouTube channel in the description uh, so you can check that out and go check out all the, the cool movies and projects they've got going on. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I guess we'll start off with uh, Thursday Night Football. Um, the Cowboys had quite the game against the defending Super Bowl champion Bucks. They ended up losing 29-31, uh, to 31, but there is a little bit of a silver lining to it, to uh, this loss. Because, you know, uh, Dak, Dak Prescott coming off of an injury, you know, you never know what you can expect. Football's a tough game. You know, bodies, bodies getting thrown around there. Guys that are 300 pounds uh, coming at you at full speed, uh, especially coming off of uh, as serious an injury as Dak Prescott was. And boy, he he really put on a show. Dak, Dak, he looked like a baller the entire time out there. You know, he was, he was slinging it. He was running around. He was out of the pocket. He was doing this and that. Uh, the guy had four over 400 yards and... 42 out of his 58 passing attempts were completed. That's a 72% completion rate against one of the best defenses in the league. And he had three touchdowns and only one interception. So, um, you know, even though the Cowboys lost this one, um, you got to be excited as a Cowboy fan. Looking at Amari Cooper, who had three touchdowns, and CeeDee Lamb had a couple grabs as well. Um, You know, 
coming from not knowing what to expect, you know, a hurt star quarterback, like this is an exciting team. It's uh the Cowboys are are looking a lot better than they did last year and and kudos to uh Dak Prescott. On the other side, uh Brady, um the extraterrestrial, the man is 44 years old. I mean, the guy was born in 1977. Like, he was born in the 70s and he's out here playing with 27-year-old men in the prime of their athletic careers and he's just walking all over them. He, he, he looks the best he's looked in years. I don't know how he does it. I, I, I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. So Brady had four touchdowns through for 379 yards. I mean, he doesn't really leave the pocket at all, but I mean, you can't blame him. He's 44 years old. Um, yeah, the guy's just not from the same planet. He's, he's not a terrestrial human being. Um, other than that, uh, Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski, those are two guys also thought to be a little bit washed up, you know, not kind of supposed to be a shell of their former selves, but they're both looking in fine form. Brady obviously trusts them both pretty well. Um, the thing is, you know, um, these guys were not supposed to be like number one options on the day. It was supposed to be Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, the two receiving, um, the two receivers on the Bucks. And Antonio Brown is looking like a number one receiver. So if you like myself, got him late in your fantasy draft, uh, as well as Ron Gronkowski, you know, you're, you're looking, uh, you might be looking to have a good year in fantasy this year. So look out for those guys. Uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin looked not so good. Um, so I had Evans at number 11, the 11th wide receiver in the league on my fantasy draft table behind Keenan Allen and Terry McLaurin, McLaurin. Um, and Godwin at 16th, respectively, behind Julio Jones and Amari Cooper. But, I mean, for someone who's supposed to be the number one option on the defending Super Bowl champion, uh, T Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Evans wasn't looking so hot. There were a couple plays when they ran the wrong routes, or Evans at least ran the wrong routes, on a couple plays, and Tom Brady threw it to where they should have been, and it was obvious that they just hadn't studied the playbook that well. So... Um, it's good the Bucks were able to come away with a win, uh, despite all this. But you know, if you drafted Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, I'd be, uh, I'd, I'd be, uh, you know, I'd give him a couple more weeks, or, or don't. You know, this is the overreaction episode, so overreact to it all you want. But they were weren't looking so hot, so you know, give him one more strike or something. But yeah, anyways, closing remarks for that game. Um. Tampa Bay running game was pretty much non-existent. Um, Ronald Jones, who I, I, he was like my last pick. Um, he ended up with negative 0.6 points because he got a, got a fumble. Good thing I put him on my bench because that wouldn't have been so good. But yeah, the, the running game was non-existent, but Brady can sling it. So at 44, he's doing pretty well. And then Cowboys fans, you guys have something to cheer for, something to be excited about. And then so for today's games, uh, 
Sunday night games. First of all, the Cardinals and the Titans, two teams at opposite ends of the overreaction scales. So we'll start with the the negative end of the of the overreaction scale, uh, the Titans. Um, so the Titans uh, added Julio Jones uh, onto their receiver um, depth this past offseason. So they're supposed to be they're supposed to be every, everyone's looking at them like they might be an offensive juggernaut. You know, they got Derrick Henry, one of the best running backs in the league. Um, over the past couple of years, they've got AJ Brown and now Julio Jones. So, I mean, on paper, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty nice looking, uh, receiving tandem as well as, um, top running back in Derrick Henry, but you know, their O-line just couldn't hold up. Tannehill got sacked five times. So Chandler Jones had a career high five sacks, um, yeah, Tannehill was just getting his head smashed in on every play. Cardinals, Cardinals D line with JJ Watt was just going crazy, and Chandler Jones. This Titans O line is just crumbling. Tannehill really had no protection whatsoever, so they looked bad. Not quite time to panic yet, you know, week one. But you know, if you want to be like me and overreact a little bit, I'd I'd be a little worried. Um, and then on the other end. Uh, the Cardinals, jeez, these uh, this Cardinals team—they looked really good. So, you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Um, Kyler Murray might mess around and win the MVP this year. Might be a hot take, given that it's Week One, but he had 289 yards and four touchdowns. This guy was just simply electric. He was, uh, he was lighting it up on so many levels, and he just completely outplayed uh, Tannehill. The Titans just looked completely outclassed. It was, it was uh, yeah, it was, it was really impressive. Um, other notes, the Browns-Chiefs games. Um, Browns running game looks really good. Between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, uh, those guys were just playing, you know, old-school smash-mouth football. Uh, just running into people, banging bodies out there. You love to see it. You really love to see it. This Browns team is, you know, they're old school tough. They've got some toughness to them. Um, so, you know, they really lit it up in the first half. But you know how the Chiefs are. You can't really bet against Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes. They came back and, you know, just these weird things happen. It's, it's like... It's almost like Brady and the Patriots where just random things happen. Um, you know, there was this this weird turnover by the uh, the Browns punter late in the game. They got a turnover, Kansas City then scored. And then uh, Baker on, on like the deciding play of the game has this bad pick. I, I don't, you know, I love Baker and I want to see him win really bad. He's got the mentality of a champ. He's such a competitor. He's such a t great teammate. But you know what? He has these bad turnovers in awkward situations that it's just, it, he played so great all game and it just sucks to have the game end like that. But yeah, so the Chiefs caught up and um, 
Last but not least, a little uh, Sam Darnold revenge game against his former team, the Jets. Uh, so the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars ended up beating the Jets. Um, you know, little uh, battle of uh, bottom of the barrel there. Neither team looking super good, but you know, at least Sam Darnold got out of out of New York, and he's with a uh, different possibly better team now so yeah that about sums it up for the for the uh week one nfl overreactions so um yeah let's uh let's bring it over to the uh riley brothers so talked about it before they've got some some upcoming projects coming up you can check it out in uh their youtube channel uh which i will have linked in the description thanks for joining us today boys Thanks for having Thanks us for having on. Us. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, before we get into all that, I guess we've got a little brew to review here. So, um, the drink of choice today is from Parallel 49, local local BC brewery, the, uh, the Trash Panda Hazy IPA. So, uh, without further ado, let's, uh, let's crack into these suckers. Let's get it going. Let's see. Cheers. 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 Oh, man. I was swimming earlier in the ocean. Yeah. A little dehydrated. It's really hitting the spot. That's a smooth drink <laughs> right there. That's I like it a lot. I'm uh, I'm actually really impressed with this one. Nice um, local brew local one smooth hazy ipa you know a little little trash panda a little raccoon on there you know funny enough we have a, a little trash panda that lives at our house yeah, he, uh, comes in through there comes in through our back door and yeah. we've got some guys in the basement who feed him so he's pretty uh pretty used to humans Jeez. Yeah, so. you know they say a fed trash panda is a dead pet trash panda <laughs> eventually you'll probably our be roommate dead. will kill us if we if we do anything to this trash panda so do you have a name yeah. or um i think we've had ricardo and what's the other one something else it, it, it changes every day but yeah. we like ricardo awesome well i'm pretty impressed with this trash panda here i think i'm uh i think i'm gonna give it uh geez might just go ahead and say it I, i'm gonna give this one a 9.6 Whoa, whoa. I really like this that's, one. That's a monster score. That's as good I, as it gets. I really like this one. I'm going to go an 8.2. 8.2, um, okay. Yeah, I think it's pretty solid. I, okay. I, I think the, the branding is very solid as well. I like the branding, the colors, all that. And then the taste is very smooth, as you said, yeah. All right. So why don't we round it out to like, why don't we say 8.9? 8.9 average. 8.9 average. Yeah, it's a good average. I may sit at the top for a while, for sure. Nice. All right, well, there you have it. Parallel 49, Trash Panda Hazy IPA. 8.9. Very nice. All right, so let's get right down into it. So, um, you know... I guess when the Phoenix Suns went up to nothing in the NBA final series, no one really expected a, a comeback, especially not one like this. 
they won they came back and won four games in a row after everyone was kind of counting them out any initial reactions from the series what what's your, what's your take on the whole Giannis situation uh well I think um for Giannis specifically it's like going to the playoffs it was everyone was wondering if he needed a Batman um if he was a Batman <laughs> and so like the idea like everyone kind of assumed or the, the 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 thought was that he was like a pick and roll guy at at his heart. He needed a ball handler. He needed a a, a rob or he needed he was a Robin for Batman. He needed a guy to handle the ball at the end of a game. He he needed a dude that was plays. just gonna be just gonna put the ball in the hoop at the end of the game. He he Giannis doesn't have a jump shot, so I think the main reason everyone was saying he was a Robin who needed a Batman and Chris Middleton was maybe the so and so-called Batman is because Giannis can get you 40 points and 15 rebounds on any given night. But when it comes down to it in the last five minutes, last couple minutes of the fourth quarter, um, you know, you set up a wall and traditionally in the past couple of playoffs, you can stop him pretty well. And because he doesn't have a jump shot, he's not very, consistent from outside of the perimeter uh you know he's he's not very reliable in those last couple games not to mention the fact that he's a career what like 65 percent free throw shooter yeah well the free throws were getting worse but i would say like he he needed a guy because people were saying like he's playing point forward and really he should be playing center like like Shaq. um and i guess I think he got a little lucky with the matchups uh, this year in the playoffs. The team, Brooklyn, uh, Atlanta, and um, uh, Phoenix weren't able to really build the wall the way the Raptors or Miami were before. Obviously, Miami, they played them, but Miami was not very good this year. Um, but I think, uh, like, he did he did level up, I would say. I think he got a lot better. He leveled um, up for sure. He did. And I think, uh, like, it, it, was ha- it happened in the Brooklyn series um and basically throughout these playoffs he kind of like became more comfortable as in the post especially he had like like before it was like he just he he was a big athletic guy and he couldn't he didn't really have a move to go to and it feels like after these playoffs he's like got five or six post moves that he can go to he's got like he can go to a drop step a power move uh he can do a hook he can even do a post fadeaway now which is kind of like the shot. If you really want to win, you take the post fade away. Right. And so he's taking he's taking that shot now, and he's actually making it if he if he can get down low enough on the block. Um, and so that's why I guess I mean that's why they won, and that's why I guess the the the, the question has been answered. He doesn't really need a Batman. Chris Middleton is is a perfectly fine Robin for him, despite Chris Middleton showing shades of uh, Kobe and MJ out there. You know, yeah. I, I personally have to eat my words. I, I said probably, I think it was the third game, uh, the first one that uh, the Bucks won. I think you were over at our place. Jake watched the game, and I said Giannis put up an empty 42. Um, you know, I was a big Gian- I wasn't a big Giannis guy, but you know, he. I don't think anyone in that me watching that game at at the place was a, was a big Giannis guy. Yeah, if I could just say like that's. There's not a lot of houses where you just have like, oh, you're not a big, there's not, there's a bunch of guys who aren't big Giannis guys. Like most people are like, like he's likable. I think he's very, um, he's, he's such so, a genuine guy. He's super, yeah. I was, I actually, so I record, we recorded up a, a podcast with Stefan this morning talking about baseball and we were talking about Shohei Otani and uh, the whole Stephen A situation. And um, 
So Stephen A basically said that, oh, so Shohei, I don't think Stephen A watches any baseball, but um, definitely not. So he was basically saying uh, it's, it's bad for baseball that Shohei Otani is the face of the league now because he needs an interpreter to, to speak for him. But I mean, he's such him and Giannis, I think are, are similar in that they're so Giannis's English is obviously a lot better, but they're so genuine. They're so authentic. They're always smiling and cracking jokes for the camera. And you can just tell by their body language, you know, guys like Kevin Durant who've been in the game in the spotlight since they were probably 12 years old going to AAU tournaments and just dominating, you know, guys like that can get jaded um, being in the spotlight, having to deal with the media, but guys like Giannis and Shohei who haven't been in North America their entire lives in the spotlight dealing with the North American media, which can sometimes twist your words and make things come out, make things seem, you know, they, they like to, to villainize certain characters a lot. But Giannis and Shohei haven't had to deal with that their entire lives. So it's kind of like a breath of fresh air. Like he's a different kind of superstar than we've seen. And um, I think that's why he's so likable. Well, yeah, well, they both show like super charisma. Um, but on that Shohei note, that's an all-time worst Stephen A take. You, should, you can just go look at uh, the YouTube views for the clips of Shohei versus non-Shohei, and you'll see that Shohei is driving serious numbers in baseball right now. Absolutely. Um, and, and Stephen so. A did, did apologize for his comments. He walked I, back. I, he, he did, which is nice. good because people were calling him xenophobic and, and all yeah. this other stuff, which is, it, it's not a good look for Stephen A, but I mean, ESPN reporters, they, they got to go on air and, and say outlandish stuff to get clicks. You know, a lot of those ESPN talk shows are kind of corny, but anyways, back to the point. Um, this Giannis thing, I mean, he, uh, he definitely took it up a notch. You know, I, I, I will admit I wasn't a big Giannis guy coming in the past couple of years because, you know, he, he's, he was like, I saw him as a regular season warrior, you know, he put up 40 points and 15 rebounds consistently night in, night out, just dominate the paint. But then come playoff time, uh, teams like the Raptors and the heat, uh, last year, not this year. Uh, would just put up a, a wall in the paint and, um, you know, Giannis would try to run down at downhill at him, but he's, he's got nowhere to go. And without a jump shot, any, any perimeter game, it's pretty hard to, to score points in the playoffs like that. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I, I was just going to say like, um, that's where like he, a couple of things changed for him. Like he figured out how to off the dribble, like sidestep guys a lot better. I think like, especially with like Deandre Aiden specifically, he was like, just kind of like wrapping around him whenever he wanted to, which he wasn't doing before. He was just kind of like putting his head down and going. So I think his decision-making got a whole lot better. And his, um, like he, he was like reaching out for the rim a lot for, for layups um, now, as opposed to before he was kind of just like throwing them up there. And I feel like, I mean, he was dunking a lot too. Um, but he was getting like all the way to the rim as opposed to just like taking little dumping like hook shots and stuff off the glass. He wasn't doing that anymore. Like it was just pure power. And um, like he was getting, so he was getting around guys like that, but he was also like making the right passes now instead um, like against the Raptors and, and the heat, he was like turning the ball over a lot in bad spots. And 
Um, that was like one of the big reasons why he was their offense kind of died because their three point shooting dried up when he couldn't get a get the ball up to the corners or the elbows for threes. Um, so, I mean, their offense died this these playoffs too. Like he kind of carried them completely, especially in that last game when he had fifty. Like he kind of like like I said, he leveled up. So he leveled up. So yeah, obviously all time performance in a closeout game in the finals. Um, you know, he, he did his thing. He, uh, he, uh, he wasn't, you know, in, in past series when like against the Raptors against the heat, he, he looked scared to go into the paint because he knew he was going to get fouled and he had to go to the free throw line. But, you know, I feel like he, he kind of adopted this mentality, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you miss, just keep shooting, keep going for it because it's, it's good for my team. And, you know, it wasn't, it was like, you know, that net series, if, if Kevin Durant's shoe side was, was half a size smaller, then it would be a different story, but that happened and they won the series. And Giannis just had this, this kind of confidence that, that we hadn't seen. And um, so you mentioned uh, DeAndre Ayton. Let's, let's go, let's go into the Suns a little bit because um, in that last game, it looked like Giannis was just a man amongst boys. He was, he was getting to his spots. He was, he was uh, shooting his free throws. Literally nobody can contain, could contain him. He was like, he was doing like spin moves and midair spin moves to get, to get to the rim. Um, so I think the Suns, first of all, is it a problem with their lineup? Because they didn't have a lot of big men that could contain him. But also, I mean, they didn't really beat a healthy roster in the postseason. So I think the Suns were really good. Um, Chris Paul was – I think Chris Paul was injured uh, the way he was playing. Like, he just – because when he was when he was good, he was good. And I think um, – He had that closeout that thing, game against the Clippers. He, he had 40 yeah. points. So I think I think whatever's going on with his neck or whatever it was, his arm. I've I actually have I've I've, I've had that feeling before. Um, it's not, it's really terrible, and I think uh, he I think it probably like comes like it's like on and off. It's not like something that's just per, like permanent, or it's not. I'm sorry, it's not something that's consistent. So it can flare up for him, and I think it flared up for him, and it caught like because you saw in Game Six against the Clippers, he was like unstoppable, um, and then in Game like what was it Game Three, he was just against uh, the Bucks, he was just not good. He was terrible. He's like deferring to Cameron Payne randomly. And I just feel like healthy Chris Paul doesn't do that. But I mean, the, the biggest reason I think Phoenix, Phoenix struggled was um, it was Giannis. And be, that's because Giannis figured out um, DeAndre Aiden, excuse me, on uh, offensively. So he was, like I said, he was doing his sidesteps and he was doing his, he was powering through him. Um, but then defensively, he was like, they basically just put Giannis at center for a significant portion of the, of the game. And um, it kind of neutralized Chris Paul because Chris Paul, he's always most successful when he's playing pick and roll and he can kind of like maneuver or like manipulate the entire floor with um, a big man. And, and he's got guys in the wings and he's doing running these actions and he's got the ball in his hands. And when Giannis switches all these screens and, he, and the Bucks are switching everything and Chris Middleton switching and PJ Tucker switching, um, it kind of just like takes away what makes Chris Paul like really, really, really great. Um, and I said this, like, I think I said this on your last podcast, like that's why he lost against the Lakers, or that's why the Lakers um, 
or that's why he lost when he was on the Thunder against Houston when they went small. He just was neutralized. And I feel like the same thing happened uh, against the Bucks this time. He just couldn't, he couldn't do what he wanted to do because they were just switching and he was obviously his arm was, was feeling off and he couldn't shoot off the dribble very well. He was still getting to his, like his elbow jumper uh, consistently, I guess. And that was going down. But when his elbow was, or when his, his, his neck was bad, it wasn't going. Um, and then obviously Devin Booker is like, he's not Kobe. Um, like the whole after game, after two games, Devin Booker's Kobe. Like that was, that was a joke. Um, like I like Devin Booker, but he's just not, he's just not that guy. He's, he's not the next Kobe. I don't know if the Suns can repeat this type of success again next year, though, when you've got teams, I presumably like the Clippers and the Lakers coming back and, and they're going to level up. So they're, they're going to level no up. Question. I mean, I, I feel like this was his opportunity. I mean, I mean, post Le- LeBron, LeBron post and Space eight. Jam LeBron, it just, that's a different animal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think the Lakers have a lot, lot of work to do. I mean, if you think, look at their roster, they have LeBron and Anthony Davis. And then like, I mean, Andre Drummond, oh, don't forget. He's a big part of the future for them. Right. Yeah. The big, big machine. Yeah. The big penguin. <laughs> yeah. The big penguin. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. And that, so anyways, but for Phoenix, I still think they're, they're, you were you're right in saying that their opportunity was this year. I don't yeah. see them making the finals next year. Um, unless DeAndre Ayton takes another level up. Um, maybe like Dario Saric becomes that guy, but. Uh, otherwise i don't see i don't see they need a bench actually they need a bench big uh i don't know who that is maybe like i don't know who i don't know who that is for them they like jalen smith maybe their their draft pick from last year when they should have taken tyrese halliburton um yeah jalen smith maybe he's like a stretch four i think he didn't play that much um i'm kind of shocked he didn't play this year they played frank kaminsky too much but uh yeah for phoenix it's it's it's, I mean, you know, maybe Devin Booker does really become the next Kobe. And then they've got maybe the they grab a, like a young guy from a, a team where not a lot's happening. Maybe like a disgruntled young guy like Marvin Bagley or something. Yeah, they could. I mean, they could like throw a bag at John, John Collins. Uh, that's a guy they could probably he, get. He was good. He's re- he was yeah. really good this year. I mean, they need like they had Jay Crowder playing power forward. I mean, maybe Cam Johnson. I mean, Cam Johnson was really great. Um, <laughs> Like, <laughs> bless me, sorry. Bless you. Um, Cam Johnson was really great, and uh, like you know, he had. <laughs> what are you laughing about? Sorry, my bad. Cam Johnson was. I, I'm sorry. Cam Johnson was excellent, and I think like he. I, I've been like, told long-term. I have a cute sneeze. Is that why you're laughing? Will? <laughs> it was very cute. It was very, very cute. cute. Um, no, Cam. I think Cam Johnson is like a long-term starter for them if he can figure out like defensively, but like he knows his role perfectly. He's like the exact kind of guy that you want. Um, so I don't know if he's a small forward or power forward long-term, um, but he's, he's like perfect off the bench for them right now. I don't know if he can grow into a starting role, but they need to figure out their wing spots because Jay Crowder probably isn't that guy. Um, Mikhail Bridges is that guy. He's really great, but yeah. So they need to figure out that power forward, uh, spot really long-term and then point guard. If they had drafted Tyrese Halliburton, they would be set. And now they're not set because Chris Paul's getting old. He's not getting worse. He's just getting old. And the odds of him getting injured again in the playoffs just seem like it's going to happen again. And it sucks, but it is what it is. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. See what happens. But, um, yeah, I'd say the Suns, you know, it's crazy because after they won those first two games, 
you know, we mentioned, I, I don't want this to turn into like a Stephen A hate podcast, but like after those, those first two games, there were like ESPN first take was talking about, Oh, are the Suns the next, the NBA's next big dynasty? Like, Oh my goodness. And it, and it makes you wonder. So, so, okay, let's, let's get to this, like these overreactions from the media. So, you know, after those first two games, ESPN was talking about, oh, maybe Suns are the next big, the Suns are the next big dynasty. You've got a, a supposed Kobe Bryant 2.0 in, in Devin Booker, a 38-year-old Chris Paul, a young DeAndre Ayton and Macal Bridges. So, I mean, it's a solid roster, but to say they're the next great dynasty, they haven't, they haven't even won a championship yet. Nonetheless, a dynasty, it makes you think. So, these overreactions from the fans and the media. So going back to 2018. So after 2018, LeBron, LeBron lost the finals, but he was clearly the best player on the planet. It was, it was really hard to debate that. I mean, you could say Kevin Durant, but I mean, for LeBron to take that 2018 Cavs team and just bring them to the finals, just single-handedly, you know, I was, I remember that year the Raptors were looking pretty good and it was like every year, every year it was the same thing. Like, Oh, Raptors are good. Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan. Those guys are, those guys are studs. And every year it was like the Cavs just come back and just slap, just, just spank them. And so Bronto was in full force. LeBronto was in full force. If you go back to game one of that series, if they had not fallen apart, I think they had like four chances at an offensive rebound at the end of the game and they would have won, then I feel like they would have won that series, but they were, they just fell apart. It was just pathetic to watch. Really, Lebronto happened, but it, it was like at the start of that series, you know, the Raptors were looking really good and the Cavs were a, a hot mess. And it was yeah. LeBron and his, his team of uh, like Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas, Jordan Clarkson and a bunch Larry of scrubs. Nance. Well, he was actually after the trade. Not so the they were not on the same team. Actually, it was Isaiah Thomas and then Larry Nance. But anyways. so I, I remember getting mad at myself after the series for thinking for for just a split second that it wouldn't be Golden State against the Cavaliers in the finals for the fifth time in a row. Like I, I was I, I I just want I was so angry at myself for for allowing myself to believe for that split second it, it wasn't going to be LeBron and Steph in the finals. So after 2018, it's like. LeBron is the the face of the league, the best player on the planet, and then he gets injured, and then Kawhi goes to Toronto, and they win a championship, and everyone goes crazy. It's like Kevin Durant's not around, LeBron's not around. Is Kawhi the best player on the planet? I, I remember even Max Kellerman. He was like, he had that soundbite that everyone makes fun of nowadays. Kawhi has more clutch ball. moments in the playoffs than than Kobe Bryant. Right. And, and you have Jay Williams on the side. Tell me about those clutch moments. So like everyone has those re like overreactions after, after big performances in the finals. I mean, Kawhi is amazing. I think he's probably a top 20 player of all time, right. but I mean, with, to say he's the best player in the league. Over... But with the fate of the universe on the line, do you want Kawhi or Kobe? I think you want Iguodala. Exactly. You want Iguodala. <laughs> you want Iguodala. No. And then the, the next year, it's like 
everyone was was making fun of Max Kellerman for that, for the whole Iguodala thing, and for saying, oh, Kawhi's the best. Because LeBron came back with his Lakers, they got Anthony Davis, and they just ripped through the bubble. And it's like, oh, Le- LeBron is weird. We're all so stupid for allowing us to believe that for one second, LeBron wasn't the best player in the universe. And then now this year, we have this whole Giannis spectacle because, okay, that 50-point game, that closeout game in the finals is, is the stuff of legends. Like, you don't, you don't see that. It's just, it just doesn't happen. 50 points in a closeout game in the finals. And, you know, everyone's saying now Giannis is the best player on the planet. Well, guess what? Everyone watched that net series and Kevin Durant was clearly better than Giannis. Like Kevin Durant was just a little bit better. Yeah, he was. I mean, but Giannis is like, what makes you like, I think Giannis really did level up in the finals and defensively. He did. He did level up. We didn't even talk about defense. Like he, the reason why he's so great is because he did, he did his, he did his 50 piece on the sun's head. And then he, he did defensively. Like he was the best defender of all time. Right. That kind right. of, that kind of like, to me, he, he is the best player in the league now. Like, okay. So I agree with you about the overreactions thing. It feels like every game they're like, this is historic. And Mark Jackson's like, ladies and gentlemen, this is greatness. Like every single game. And, 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 and it's like, well, it can't be greatness every game. Cause then it's not great. Um, like Kawhi, like they were saying Kawhi was the best player ever. And then they were saying LeBron and Anthony Davis were going to run the league. And then they were, now they're going to saying Giannis is the best player ever or whatever, or the, you know, Bill Simmons put him in his pantheon already. Bill Simmons yeah. said, oh, he's, he's like, ta- he's 21, I think. He's ahead of Kevin Garnett already. Um, I mean, his resume is pretty stacked, but still, like, you know, like, yeah, I just, it, it, people overreact and it's like fun to overreact and say this is historic. Every single game, something's historic. Like, Devin Booker's first game was historic. Do we care? Not really. You know, Chris Paul's game six against the Clippers, historic. Every single game, something's historic. So, was Devin Booker's you know, 70 points historic? Oh, absolutely. It was historic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He's not that guy, though. No. That was honestly that 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 sent me into a tailspin on Devin Booker. I couldn't like him until about three weeks ago. I just didn't like him until then. I mean, and he had like he, he put up 70 bad. points and they still lost the game. It was the way he did it, though, when they were passing, when they were like fouling and passing the ball and they took the picture with the 70 on the paper. It was like, this is just embarrassing. Yeah, um, it was but, bad. Yeah. The overreactions I- thing is bad. I didn't really know anything about Devin Booker the past. What was he drafted in 2017? Um, yeah, it was the year Jamal Murray, I think. Cause, or was it Jamal Murray? No, it was the year after. He, was, he actually came off the bench in Kentucky. And he, you know, he, he was like, same thing as Carl, Carl Anthony Towns in Kentucky. Like, they just, they didn't get to show off. You know, they didn't get to uh, do their thing on the, big, on the big stage. Exactly. On the big stage, under the bright lights, they couldn't do their thing. And so finally, they, everyone got out of the way at the NBA, and they just started doing their thing. Um, but I thought Devin Booker was like a loser. Like, I thought he couldn't yeah. win. See, um, you know how I didn't know – you know how I knew he wasn't that guy? Because he couldn't handle a double team in open gym. Exactly. You know, I, I didn't know anything about Devin Booker. I just knew he was like this this guy, the shooting guard who played with a lot of swag, who got drafted to – Kind of cute. To the, yeah, he's kind of cute. You know, he, he plays for, for the Phoenix Suns, but Phoenix sucks, so who cares? <laughs> the only thing I saw about him was, was this this uh, soundbite of him saying, oh, we ain't doubling in, in open gym. 
and Joachim Noah's just yeah, like, Joachim Noah, yeah, Joachim like, Noah's, yeah, we're doing it, we're yeah, double, we, we're we're doing the double teams. My dad taught me to double an open gym, <laughs> <laughs> which is honestly kind of a goaded moment by Joachim Noah. Oh, of course, it is. That guy should he should be in the league somewhere, he should be riding the bench somewhere, but yeah, that's just like the, like the loser moments added up for Devin Booker. I feel yeah. like maybe these play, these finals were a losing moment for him. Maybe this this is a stain on his legacy, the way he played in these finals. What do you think, Will? <laughs> That's you know you can't argue with that. That's it's a a big point you're making. Yeah. What do you think about Chris Paul? How do you think this affects his legacy? Um, man, no one was more devastated for Chris Paul than I was. I I was so sad to see it because I knew it's like so many things. The stars literally aligned for him. I mean, he no. First of all, like kudos to him for for what he did this season because no one expected the Suns to be this good or go this far. And so the Suns haven't hadn't even made the playoffs in what like 15 years or something. Uh it was I think it was like 2011 or something with Oh, my yeah. bad. Anyways. So it's like 12, 10, I don't know. So So Chris Paul arrives, they make the playoffs. They they get the first seed or the second seed. I'm not sure if it was them or Utah. They were second seed, yeah. But they do all this stuff. They beat the Lakers. Beat like Lakers were probably the championship favorites, if not the Nets. And um, you know he he uh, he did have to face a bunch of wounded teams. No Kawhi, no AD, depleted LeBron, whatever. But I mean. Injuries are part of the game and say what you want. If they had won that championship, no one would have hold, held that against him. They would have said, you know, Chris Paul arrived in a bad Phoenix team and he, he breathed new life. He, he breathed new life into them. They became championship contenders and they eventually won a final, but that didn't happen. And, you know, they couldn't, they lost, they went up to nothing and then lost four games in a row. And I just don't think he's going to have that sort of opportunity again because, you know, that, what, are the, what are the chances that two out of the three teams that you face in, the, in leading up to the finals have injured star players? I think the injuries thing is, like, that happens every year. Like, someone's injured. And, like, I think if you make it there, you make it there and you're legit. But I do think, um, like, if you, if you said eight months ago – the Suns make the Chris Paul leaves the Suns to the finals. They lose in six games. People would say, "Oh, that's a great outcome for them." That's like they Chris Paul, top ten player of all time. But well, I feel like and, the way it, it happened, it was his his first finals. So yeah, but I feel like just the way it happened, it's like it's even it's like it's worse for him. Well, I, it's like it I, confirmed I, his it confirmed all the haters. You yeah, know I, mean? I, I saw a stat about like him being something about him being down or up 2-0 in series in the playoffs and then losing, and it was it was just not a good. Well, it's, it's like Doc Rivers is mostly responsible for that. He's done it all like six times now. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it's just like it's it it contributes to the the narrative about Chris Paul not being a winner. So it's kind of sucks. We're all big Chris Paul guys, but I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like around the league, a lot of players dislike Chris Paul, but I feel like he's a pretty well liked guy among the fans. I think like, he had a point on the Clippers where he was whining at the refs every possession. Um, and he seemed to just stop doing that when he would join the Thunder. Um, and like now he had, he's at a point where he's not whining anymore and he's so much better because 
I didn't like him when he was on the Clippers. He was whining too much, and I thought this guy's annoying. He's always he's always complaining. Him and JJ Redick. Yeah, I was LeBron was always my favorite player growing up, but like he is such a whiner. I I I'm so annoyed watching him play a lot of the time now because he's just he like. Oh man! Well, no one faces the kind of adversity he does. Like having to shoot at three rims, that's tough. <laughs> no, I, he shot at the middle one, man. <laughs> My goodness! Just, just gotta take a guess, I guess. When you're that great, it goes in. I mean, I guess he had to warm up his acting skills for Space Jam, but still, just oh, just not good. Not a good look. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Walnut House. What do you, what do you guys got going on? Tell us tell um, us about the upcoming movie. So this Monday, what what's the date? So Monday, July twenty sixth. July twenty sixth, which is probably after this is. So our film will be out at this point. When yeah. When people are seeing this, it's called A Howl in the Night. I think I alluded to it in my episode on the podcast. It is a werewolf film that is black and white, kind of like a neo noir. And yeah, we're releasing it on Monday and we're excited to see how it does. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty happy with how it turned out. So we're excited to release yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's our most ambitious project uh, up to this point um, that we've completed. We're doing something now that's a bit more ambitious, but um, it's our most ambitious pro- project. It's kind of like our very first film. We kind of did something like this that no one has seen and no one will ever see it probably. But um, so this one feels like... Uh, something that we wanted to just get out and do. Um, it's a genre that uh, I personally am fascinated by, the, the werewolf genre, like Sands, Twilight, so everything else other than Twilight. Um, like the werewolf stuff I think is really cool. It's a really good uh, platform for like uh, subverting genre expectations. And so I, that's kind of what we wanted to do with this one. Um, and yeah, we're just super excited about it. We got to work with a, really, a bunch of really great people some new actors that we got to work with were um, they were all excellent and kind of shocking uh, how we were able to land some of them. But um, yeah. And then our crew was excellent too. And we had a great time. We shot the film in, yeah, in Kelowna. We, we went all the way up to Kelowna, um, rented an Airbnb in Peachland, filmed in Peachland cool. for two days. Wine um, country. Did you do a wine tour when you were up there? It was, it was kind of like at the tail end of COVID. So like, you know, things weren't really happening and, um, and we had, we had a tight schedule. We were, we did, we did a a day. I think it was like, we showed up to the, to the cabin at like 3 PM and we didn't leave until five in the morning kind of thing. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely the most ambitious thing we've, we've done, but we had a great time with our, with our cast and our crew and we're really super excited to release it. I think um, the number one thing to look out for, for the film, Liam did the score. He was riffing on his guitar. It sounds pretty, pretty awesome. Dope. A little Neil Young-esque. I did a little improvised uh, score on the electric guitar. I love that. The entire film. And so, yeah, that was really fun. That was kind of, um, I've done the score for, our, for other films and this one was just, it felt more uh, like spontaneous and uh, it was super fun. So, yeah. So on the topic of uh, improvising on the guitar, just in case you guys didn't know, you guys have probably probably heard it a couple of times if you're listening to this podcast, but the intro, that's me on the guitar. Is you on the strings? Messing around a little bit. Just shredding? Yeah. There you go. For the, the intro thing, I didn't want to pay anyone to, to use an 
you know, you have to pay per use per project and whatever. So I didn't want to deal with the complications and the added costs. So you know, I just messing around one afternoon, made a little short, little intro kind of thing. Yeah. Just do it all in house. That's the way we do it. Yep. Yeah. Authentic. Yeah. yeah we should do, we should do a music episode. Oh yeah. We're actually working on a little side project with uh with music. We can't get into details with that one, yeah. but we're pretty excited about that. Featuring cool. good friend of the show, Liam Dwyer. Um, yeah, that's under the wraps right now though. So big things coming soon. Nice. We're we stay on the grind. I'll so. stay, I'll stay tuned for that one. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. All right, so um, should we do a little bit of uh, NBA draft stuff? Yeah, so the draft is uh, on Thursday, so later this week. Um, I come at it as a Raptors fan who was rooting for the tank uh, probably in January, February when things were going really bad. Um, so... <laughs> My understanding of the draft is mostly top 10-ish because I expected the Raptors to be in the round seven, eight, nine, and they eventually won the lot or won the fourth pick in the lottery, uh, which is huge. It was that's very big for the Raptors. It's actually like it's massive because this it's looked at as a four-player draft um, with uh, Cade Cunningham, uh, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, and Evan Mobley. Uh, so that's kind of like. Super exciting for the Raptors because all three of the, all four of those guys fill one of two needs for them. They need a they need a big man and they need a shot creator on the wing. Which do they all four do of those guys need do? A big man? I mean, they have Siakam they, and Boucher. Yeah, the, Chris Boucher cannot is not a long term center for them. He's simply not that guy. Really? He's, he's he's actually like he's probably a bench small forward power forward kind of guy, just super tall. Um, he's he's like a shot blocker but not a good defender. Um, they need they need a, a center who can they need a guy who can give Pascal Siakam a little bit of space, but also can facilitate and and like anchor a defense, which Evan Mobley would be perfect for them. Like that's the dream target for them. Um, but is is Siakam a long term guy? Oh, for, yeah. I, I, people are saying they, that Pascal is going to get traded. I don't see it happening. Um, I, I don't think, think he, I don't think he'll get traded, but I don't know if he's that guy. I think okay. I think he showed signs of it in his first year post championship, and he was really great for a huge portion of that. And then, I just think he's an energy guy who needs the, to feed off a crowd. He needs the rhythm of of a home game to go back to. He needs um, he needs to feel comfortable and have fun with it. And I don't think he had fun this entire year. And I think you could see in the bubble um, before the bubble playoffs, he was not having fun. He was struggling, and. I see him having a huge comeback season this year. He's coming off a shoulder torn labrum, which is not good. Um, he had death surgery. He's going to be out for the first two weeks of the season. He can start. I think he can start uh, playing. He's already been playing, but he can't do contact stuff until pretty late, which is a little concerning. But I think long term, he's like a, he's a really great defender. He's a he's a he's become a good playmaker. He's a really he's an excellent tertiary offensive option like he he can make plays off the dribble he can catch and shoot he can do all that stuff and he showed signs of being like a premier number one option he just his shot kind of fell off and he got hurt and he didn't have a he didn't have it like he didn't have a center to, to play with he he need he's not a, a five he's a he's a three four not a five and so 
that's why you could see when they got Ken Birch last year, like he really turned it on. Um, they just, he just can't play with Chris Boucher at the five. It's just not going to work. They played their best lineups were with OG and Anobi at the five. And that's because OG is kind of, he's bulky and strong. He can like kind of like have a presence in the paint. OG's, OG's strong, not, but he's, OG's not a five. He's, he's not a five. He's a small ball. He can be a small ball five in, in spurts, but like long-term Pascal needs a center who can set picks for him, who can um, rebound for him, who can space the floor and kind of like bruise with banging bruise with the big guys. Uh, Pascal's Pascal's like a, a, a perimeter defender. Even he's not really a, a big, big guy defender. So long-term, I think he's totally fine where he is. I think he'll have a really good season this year. Uh, they just need, they need to find a center. So whether that's in the draft, like Evan Mobley, or if it's in free agency, like, um, I don't know, they can try and go after Jared Allen, who's a restricted free agent. They can go after, uh, even like John Collins is a, he, he's probably not a center for them. They can they can try and sign Rashawn Holmes, who's an unrestricted free agent who looks to be probably available. Uh, depends what they do with Kyle Lowry. So for the Raptors at number four, um, I think it's either Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs. I don't think Jalen Green will be there, but he'd be great too. He'd fit. On the topic of Siakam, just because we're going down that road, I, I've got mixed opinions. I, I would have bought a Siakam jersey after 2019 i i was i was all aboard the siakam train but you know i feel like some of the reason why he was so good in those playoffs were because was because people didn't know him they they hadn't seen him around the league he was he was like voted most improved player or whatever but you know he hadn't been around he hadn't been a star in the league you know he was an all-star that following year but you know, I feel like the year after those playoffs, people kind of figured them out. And then the other thing that really annoyed me, there was this one game this past year when I think Nick Nurse, because Siakam was having that really cold stretch. He was dry. He he couldn't make shots. It was against Cleveland, I think. Yeah, so he, he had been given, like, the game – tying shot and missed like four times in a row and so nick nurse in that next game he took him off for the last four minutes and there was this big exchange that happened between nurse and siakam and i just felt like siakam was just way out of line on 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 that one you know nick nurse is one of the best most respected coaches in the league uh like total total team guy like big energy you know you can't hate on nick nurse like everyone loves that guy and siakam was just you know it, it was like an ego thing for me he was he was getting mad at nick nurse for taking him off when he very clearly wasn't performing very well so i just think i've so people have been saying like oh he's become a cancer because he had that moment early in the season where he walked off early and he had a a confrontation with Nick Nurse. I just, to me, it's like, what, like, what's worse? Would it be better if he was like laughing and smiling, or would it be better if he got pissed off at Nick Nurse? And I think the answer is like, it's better if he got pissed off because they were losing and he was playing bad. And if they're winning, it'll be fine. And like, I understand that it's it's a respect thing. He shouldn't do that. But I also like, I, I it's good to see that he's mad about how he's playing and that he's mad about how things are going. And he should want to, like, if he doesn't want to be on the floor at the end of a game, then there's, that's a way bigger problem than if it's an outburst of the coach when things are heated. 
Um, right. And so I think like, I th- honestly think it's a non-issue for him. Um, like most star, most players, most players would, they want to be on the floor in the fourth quarter. And honestly, I did feel like when Nick Nurse benched him, he was playing bad, but I feel like, I felt like it was a little unfair because he's still giving you a lot of defensively and he's still commanding like at least a bit of gravity offensively to a point where he's, he's more of a positive than I don't know who he put in over him. It might've been like at that, at that point, they might've hadn't traded Terrence Davis might've been Terrence Davis or, or Stan, Stanley maybe? Johnson or Yuta Watanabe. It was like, yeah. he's just better than those guys. And so he should be, he should be mad about that. Um, and so, you know, I think like next year, I don't think it'll be a problem. I think it'll be fine. And yeah, he's, he's, it's better that he's mad than, than that he's happy and, and okay and content with being benched like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, at, at least it's not like a Scotty Pippen thing where the play's not drawn up for him and he just quits on his team. Yeah. No, he's not going to quit on his team. Like he's always, his efforts there. He just, um, the other, the other thing with him is that with Kawhi, he was like an off ball guy, like his almost 70% of his shots were unassisted or his baskets were unassisted. He was at the rim and at, from three. And then the next season, it was like a complete change to his, to his offensive game. Like he became a ball handler. He became a finisher, a creator. He would um, initiate plays a lot. He was his honest, his unassisted field goals were like way higher. Um, like he was just like a different, like a completely different player. Well, you'd also and, have to deal with being game plan for, which yeah. he probably didn't have to deal with he, under Kawhi. People, right? people like, or teams were treating him as the number one option on the Raptors, which he was. And so, so there's going to be growing pains. There was that. adjustment. And, and I think the Raptors were like, we're going to force feed him like the, a one, a, a 1A role. Um, and there's going to be points where it's, it's, it's rough, but in the long term, it's better for him having two years, for example, of being in the one, a role and then coming out of it and seeing what he's, what he's worth and what he can do. And I think he will, I think he, he has, it's in him still. It's not out of the question for him to be that guy. Um, because he has such a diverse offensive skill set, and he has shown to me that he can, he can like hit mid-range jumpers. He can hit threes off the dribble. He can take post fadeaways. He can, he can spin by guys and get to the rim. He's athletic and fast and strong. And he has everything. And he, and honestly, I think mentally he's, he's pretty strong. He just had a, like just a nightmare season where shots rolled out, uh, plays went bad, you know, games were lost. And like, he just had it and they were in Tampa Bay. It was just a bad, it was just a terrible season. And so like, to me, he's shown enough to be like, yeah, he can, he probably has it in him. I don't know if it'll happen. It might not happen, but to write him off and people are saying they need to trade him or that he's just never going to be that guy. I just, I think like, it's too early to write him off. I think he, he could still, if you put a real center next to him and you have a well-balanced balanced team, he's the best offensive option on the floor for, in, in most options, most scenarios, if you ask me, that's my pitch. I, I think, I think the Raptors have a really good chance to coming back into playoff contention. They're going to be a good team this this next year. Oh, I would, I would say it's, it's almost guaranteed they're going to make the playoffs. And I think if they, if the draft goes well for them and they can figure out Kyle Lowry, whether he stays or not, and if they can figure out the center, then I think they will be a top four, top three even top two team in the league in the, in the East again. Yeah. There's no reason why they can't be defensively. They'll be like, if, if they get Evan Mobley, I really think they will be a top. They'll be one, two seed in the East and they will be like a, just a powerhouse at what playoffs will be a different story. We'll see how that works. But like Evan Mobley to me has a complete game already. Um, 
and defensively he's already he's already like well ahead of the curve um so i think that would make them a legit team again this year i think i think mobley has has uh a good chance to be like a legit player in this league i like even if they even if they have to get Suggs, like that's still a really good option yeah jalen Suggs would be i think he'd be i think he's gonna be really good um he defensively he's really he's excellent and then offensively he's got like this passing thing that is super exciting and is like shot creation and, and the ability to get to the rim that no one on the Raptors has not even like they, they don't have anyone that can get to the rim the way Jalen Suggs can uh and his his like shiftiness and his I think he's got like in two years he'll be a pull-up three kind of guy like off pick and roll he'll be able to pull up for three he can't do it yet but I think he'll be able to do that so he's that got, would be he's got the clutch too. gene yeah, I mean, he's like he's got like the it factor that the Raptors need, if especially if Pascal turns out not to be that guy. Um, Jalen Suggs probably can be that guy, especially. I mean, I also have to look at like most of these guys that they get drafted by the Raptors. It's the best situation for them because it's a really good development team, a good culture, you know, a positive, positive environment for them to, to grow. And so, you know, Evan Mobley might turn into a Chris Bosh on the Raptors, but he might turn into, you know, uh, Hashim the beat on on uh Cleveland, you know, that kind of thing. Like, like these guys could be busts on different teams, but they could be very successful on other teams. Yeah, so, that's the I mean, that's the thing about the NBA. It's so situational, right? Yeah. And I think I mean, for all four of those guys, the Raptors are the best situation because they all four of them would eventually be starting on that team and it's a winning team built around built ready to build around a star player. You're um, abs I I I think uh you know, Jalen Green be, should be praying he falls to the Raptors. Oh yeah, I mean, no one wants to be in Detroit right now. Houston sucks. The Cavs yeah. suck. No, I I think the Raptors are a really likable team. Like, yeah, that's a. I think in the next coming years, I think Toronto's going to be a destination for a lot of free agents. Uh, to yeah, I hope so. That I mean, with more international free agents, they're probably less uh, likely to want to be. To, to have a default position where they want to be in the U.S., you know, with stars like Giannis and, and Luka Doncic and Jamal Murray and, you know, these guys, they, they there's a higher chance that, you know, Shea Gillis, Alexander, that was, those kind of guys might want to come to the Raptors um, in the future. Like Shea, for example, is like, they're, they're, they're not trying to win, and I don't know how long he'll want to stick out being in OKC, um, but he would be like the kind of guy the Raptors should, could target maybe in a year or two if he's, if he's unhappy. You know what's crazy to me about OKC? I mean, they have so many picks, and they have like Shea Gilgis Alexander, Lugan Stewart, uh, what's his face, Al Horford, like Darius Paisley. It, if they traded a couple of those picks, they could be a contending team. I I don't well, know what's going on. I, I like they got super unlucky with the lottery. They probably were thinking we can get our second guy to pair with Shea and Lou and Lou, Lou Dort. Like we can get Evan Mobley or we can get Cade and then we're going to have three or four guys that we know we can build around. And then we can use the rest of our draft picks as like trade um, ammo. And they're, they got, they got screwed so hard. They're going to have to take like Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kaminga. You're a big Scotty Barnes guy though. I was a big Scotty Barnes guy at like eight or nine for the Raptors, not at five. Like they need a star. They need like a, a guy who can, who can be like a carry an offensive load. Um, and that's not Scotty Barnes for sure, uh, at least not yet. And so 
they like now their whole their whole treasure chest of, of draft picks is is way less valuable to them because they didn't get the guy they needed to build around. So they got unlucky, and I could see them trying to trade up to three with Cleveland, uh, but Cleveland would probably would rather just trade Colin Sexton and take a guard. It's okay. That you bring up Colin Sexton, that's something I actually don't understand because you know it was the whole Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, but I mean Sexland. Sexland. <laughs> Cleveland is Sexland. So, so but the way Colin the way Colin Sexton played this year. I mean, he seems like he could be a number one option. He had an he, outstanding season. Why are they getting rid that of guy? Him? Why? I, I like Colin Sexton, but I'm a big Young Bull fan. I watched his YouTube his YouTube series that he had in high school. Watched his mixtapes. I'm a, I'm just a big Colin Sexton fan, but like Liam's a big Colin Sexton hater. No, I was a huge fan of him in high school. I just think like right now he's he's like literally a chucker. Is is he just? Does he have a shitty attitude or like why? No, he just why doesn't like Garland he, over Sexton. He's just not as good because Gar- Darius Garland can fit as like either a, or a top three option or as a role player on any team in the league because of his shooting and his passing and his off ball stuff. But Colin Sexton is literally like a guy who needs 18 shots, who has to be that guy who thinks he's Kobe. Yeah. And, and, and like he can be, but he's not making other guys better. He's demanding that he's like demanding to take his shots. There's that's like, he's a bit selfish. We're at to a point where like, guys don't like playing with him because he just wants to take his shots. And, you know, he, like, he had like some really great games this year, but like, I can't see them. He's not a guy that, that you can win with. I think, frankly, um, like their best player can't be Colin Sexton. So, and all the guys in this draft are either Evan Mobley, who they would, I just think they'd mess up Evan Mobley. Um, Jalen Suggs would be perfect for them, but they need to get rid of Colin Sexton if they want to do that. It's kind in of which like case they have to trade. It, it seemed like the whole post post LeBron era in Cleveland was kind of like a bunch of those guys that were just like big egos, kind of chuckers. What what's that guy's name? Like Seattle guy got traded to Houston because of the whole locker locker Kevin room. Porter. Kevin Porter Jr. So like you you watch Kevin Porter Jr. It's it's kind of the same thing as Colin Sexton because you watch him play and he seems good. Like he seems like he could be a number one or two option. But there's there's all these other things going on, and like you see that a lot with these star young players, like Kevin Porter Jr. Like from everything I've read, is just like a really bad teammate. It's yeah. just not someone you want in the locker room. Kevin Porter Jr. has like a way higher ceiling than than Colin Sexton, um, but like I mean he he's had trouble sticking around on teams, obviously, uh, and that sucks, but. Like for Houston, Kevin Porter Jr. is like literally Jalen Green. Uh, so, and everyone's saying they're going to take Jalen Green at two. So, that's a bit of a tricky spot for them. Um, it's like a duplication of like everything for them. And I mean, it's not like you shouldn't take a guy just because he's, he's you have another guy, but um, that's a tough spot. Like, it's not a good spot for Houston or Cleveland, honestly, at two or three. So, I could see either of them trading out of their pick because. That like Houston needs a wing or a point guard, not a, or like a big wing or a or a pass first, not pass first, but like a classic point guard like Jalen Suggs. But should they reach for Jalen Suggs at two? Because it seems like he's pretty clearly a third or fourth guy. And then uh, Cleveland needs 
they need wings. They have two point guards who are like under six foot two, and they have Jared Allen, um, and they have Isaac Okoro. But they need like a they just honestly they, they need talent. But they need a, they need a, they could use a real point guard like Jalen Suggs too. So Jalen Suggs fits both those teams. But I, I could see them both not picking him because he's not the fun pick. But if I were them, I would want to trade out of my pick. I would want to trade back for multiple picks and go at it again next year because you know they're going to suck. It is a double draft next year. I think it's the high school kids are going to be in the draft, which is going to be huge. It's like a number 15 pick is more like a number seven pick in uh, next year. Wait, so did they change the rules? They did change the rules. So the high school kids can enter the draft as wow. of next year, I think. So that's why all these teams are trading for their for picks next year because – they want uh, they want to be in the double draft. Mm. So you can look at the top 15 picks as you can look at, at the first round as potentially a lottery, whole lottery, uh, classically in like the in previous drafts. I, I don't know, I don't know exactly like there's like Chet, uh, what's the guy's name? Chet something like the seven foot one, like Giannis Tingus Pingus, <laughs> Jason Kidd Pingus. player. <laughs> like he's like he's like <laughs> the ultimate unicorn. <laughs> Uh, Chet Gorson, that's his name. No, Chet Gorson. No, Chet, <laughs> Chet the Jets. It's not Chet the Jets. No, Chet it's, Jet. it's Chet Holmgren. That's what his name is. <laughs> okay. Chet Holmgren. Yeah, he's he's like, yeah, he's literally like a Tingus Pinkus mixed with Jason Kidd. Um, <laughs> Chet Gorson is the all-time name. There's also what's the, what's the what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, whatever. There's there's a couple of guys who are like soup like like really highly touted next year, and so if I'm Houston or Cleveland, I'm like. Trading back, taking two picks, getting like James Book Knight or something, or <laughs> Moses Moody, and uh, and, I'm, and I'm taking it. I'm taking a shot at it next year, trying to get checked that. I love how pissed off New Yorkers were when when the Knicks drafted Kristaps Porzingis. That yeah. video. Well, it's kind of crazy. Like who the fuck saying, like, is Tingus Pingus? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like, remember when they traded Dennis Smith Jr. for Tingus Pingus, and it's like, wow, they just got robbed. The, the Knicks just traded away like a top five player for, I remember we had a fantasy league and Will offered me Giannis for Tinkus Pingus. And I said, no, that was like the, like two, two games before he tore his ACL in New York. And Why would you like, ever offer up like Giannis? I feel like Tinkus Pingus was that guy right there. Cause no, Tinkus Pingus was like, no, at that, at, at that, that time, point, he was that like, guy. he was the number one player in the, for like the last like month at the time. And he was like 27, nine and, and, and three with like two blocks and three threes and a couple steals and really good percentages, like no turnovers. He was literally that guy. And I, okay. was clearly no Batman at yeah. that point. And then he fell on the stairs and tore his ACL and gained 25 pounds of muscle and became a brick. <laughs> and now it's like, he's not the same player. And, but like, and, and now nobody wants him. And now, well, I mean, honestly, I, I all this hate, but the Raptors could trade for him and he might fit pretty well with them. He would fit very well next to Pascal Siakam if he actually decided he wanted to play. I feel like Giannis is the most consistent, consistently like really good fantasy player, like with the yeah. least issues over, over the past like four or five years. Well, oh, yeah. Maybe, okay, not, is, not five years, probably like three his, years. His biggest problem is free throw percentage is always not great. Turnovers, he doesn't get you threes. Turnovers are high and he doesn't get you threes. So, so like, but at that time, it, that just shows it, you how good Chris Stapps was at that time that I offered Giannis and he declined the trade. Like it was, he was that guy for a little bit. So he just got so much bigger and he lost all of his athleticism. Like he was doing like, he was doing Kevin Durant stuff off the dribble. He was doing like dribble move pull-ups in the post, like stuff that like he shouldn't be able to do. 
Um, but now he just like <laughs> takes his like stiff mid-range jumpers and his like he's, deep threes. He's so stiff. He's a then, freaking pylon. Yeah, he'll hit a deep three and he'd be like, whoa, he's got range. But he just like, he'll hit one out of 10 of those. It doesn't change anything. He's still not getting rebounds. He's still like watching Luka Doncic go, like dribble 15 times. So I, I feel like that's also kind of the problem because that's a serious Lu- problem. Luca Luca has sort of turned into kind of like a, a James Harden type player. Like he he just he carries the ball up and he needs to touch it on every single play. He's yeah, I'm really concerned about this, but the way he's he's going, it's not good. He could have been he it could have been different for him, but now he's turned into this guy where they're and he's got a new co is it Jason Kidd? I think Jason is Jason Kidd the Jason Kidd is, is the new just, head coach. This is bad for Dallas. This is really bad. He's the betting favorite for MVP next year. That's a bad bet. I wouldn't take that bet. Take the field over him. Take the field over him, yeah. I, I thought he was going to be MVP this past year, and I had the number one overall pick in one of my fantasy league drafts, and I drafted him, and boy, was I was, – was that ever a bad pick? It was not good. Well, he's, he's a great player, but I, I just don't like the way they're going with his development and the way he's almost – he said in interviews actually this summer, like, oh, I can't complain to refs, but that like I, you have to actually do it on the court because he's still whining so much every possession. He's uh, such a whiner. And oh my. It's, it's not good. And he's 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 dribbling the ball way too much. He's taking bad shots. Um I mean, this is like these are the bad things. He's obviously like a top five player. I, I think right now he's still amazing, but I think you if you have anyone in the league to build your franchise around, it's him without question. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you like if you just put him within a system or in a, on a team where he wouldn't have to dribble the ball that much, and he could just fit into a team, he could be like he could he could be the best offensive player on a championship team and run an offense. But he just he shouldn't. No player should have should have a usage rate as high as his. It's just well, too high. I also feel like that's kind of because I mean he doesn't really have any decent pieces around him in Dallas. I guess, but like they traded for guys like Josh Richardson, who are supposed to be like tertiary ball handlers, who ended up not touching the ball at all. And you have Tingus Pingus, who's getting iced every possession because he can't touch the ball. And you have, like, yeah, I mean, the, and everyone said, oh, their their draft last year was amazing. It wasn't that they got what is an entire Terry. He didn't even play. So, yeah, it's I honestly Dallas is. This is a super hot take, but Dallas is like a keep your eyes on them they might blow up and like have to trade him in two years Jeez, yeah because he's going to be unhappy losing and i don't think i don't see them winning unless they get like a massive haul for tingus pingus and his value is too low did you did you see that video after after the clippers beat them paul george tried trying to do it like a a jersey exchange and and uh (laughs) luca denies him yeah yeah Yeah, i don't want that that's cool that's cool i'll take that any day of the week the jersey swap thing is stupid But back to the draft, there's, like I said, there's four guys, but then I guess there's the Scotty Barnes is like, he's rumored to uh, creep into the top four, but that's just like, uh, that's, I, don't, I think that's fake. And I think the, the biggest faller, I, I, I actually put a bet on um, the biggest riser who I think it's going to be James Booknight, who is uh, like a guard from UConn. And he's got like this, I wouldn't say Jamal Crawford, but he's got like this like really explosive offensive game. Um, and he's also like super like athletic leaper. Uh, he's, 
He's got like the, the in his in his ability. He's got a huge bag. His bag is just massive. Um, and his, his offensive bag of tricks is just it's just lethal. Um, but like he's a guy that could like go as high as fifth, and he's and I think he's like mocked at like eight or nine right now. So I bet him to go past or to go before before pick eight. Um, because I think he's gonna rise, and for some reason people I I, I think he's gonna be good. He's more likely to be a sixth man or a, a bench scorer than like maybe like a Jordan Clarkson kind of thing. Uh, but he's like the biggest riser right now. And then the biggest baller is probably Jonathan Kaminga, who was mocked to be top four, and now he's just falling because mm-hmm. he kind of plays like he had a lobotomy. Jeez. Yeah. He's not he doesn't have a he doesn't he kind of just bricks like he's he's like Paul George if you if you just took away his his like decision making. <laughs> And Paul George's decision making is not that great, anyways. It's not great. So, yeah, Jonathan Kaminga is like, he's like, his highlights are really great, but if you watch his games, it's just like it, he just doesn't know what he's doing. Jeez. Um, yeah, but the top four is pretty solid, and I would I, like for the as for a Raptors fan, I'll take any of them, and I'd be super happy. But I'm rooting for Evan Mobley. All right. Okay, so so that's the draft right there. Um, speaking of. Uh, Paul George, Clippers. Um, do we want to get into any of the impending free agents this this offseason? Sure. Uh, so, I don't have so who's so do you do you have a list or anything? So we got Kawhi, obviously Kyle Lowry, Damian Lillard. I'm sure I'm missing a couple big ones. I don't think Damian but... is a free agent. I think he's signed for like a supermax that's like oh okay, in... right. He's signed for a couple more years, but He's basically he requested a trade. To, he yeah, requested a trade. I could see a, a sign and trade with uh, Philadelphia for Kyle Lowry. There's actually there's um, rumors. There's rumors of a uh, a Demar Kyle uh, reuniting. Yeah, I saw that. I just don't know how. I don't know how the Lakers could swing that when they've offered KCP and Kyle Kuzma to everyone. <laughs> so I don't see how. Like I don't. <laughs> I I just don't. I, if I'm a rap like rap the Raptors don't want Montrez Harrell. Like you can't, you can't say, but you can't just say take Montrose Harrell because they're not going to take him. I like Harrell. I, I don't know why Harrell gets a bad he, rap. He was sixth man of the year, like because two he's years banging ago. his head all the time and he's like grabbing rebounds and he's just not that. He's not as good as everyone thinks he is. He's ferocious, man. He's he's such a monster. He just like, but ferocious should be like, like get in a stance and guard someone. He'll still let like Javale McGee blow by him. That's a problem. That's like he need to be. You need to be a good defender, and he's he's not a he's not a center. Because he gets bodied by like Carl Anthony Towns, and he's not a power forward because he can't stay in front of like guys like Pascal Siakam. So he's he's like an okay rebounder, but he's an like, energy he's like, guy. He he gets like, big dunks. He has he has yeah, big dunks. I guess he gets big dunks. Does that like what's that worth though? Is that really worth Kyle Lowry? No, <laughs> they're just not. And then like the Spurs, why would the Spurs take? Why would the Spurs take anyone on the Lakers? The Spurs would say, well, like, because the problem for the Lakers is that they don't have cap space. The classic, like, every star is available, they're going to go to the Lakers, but they have no cap space. So they have to, like, it has to be KCP and Kyle Kuzma. And the Spurs don't want KCP or Kyle Kuzma. It, that's the way it is. Nobody really wants those guys. Yeah. I, I feel like Kyle Kuzma needs to go somewhere new and just kind of... Shanghai? Kind of <laughs> just... <laughs> no, he, he needs to go somewhere new and just kind of, like, have a second like life to his career you know 
He needs to join Josh Hart and uh, Alonzo Ball. Yeah, again. and the, the little super team up action. Yeah, little big three action. Yeah, they can go join the big three, and they might like. But they could get even a, like they might Zion they might out. like get a top three seed in the big three. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the big yeah, join the, the big, big three. three. Yeah. With, with that's cube. that's another thing. What the hell is going on in New Orleans? They have probably they the most Kyle explosive Lowry. player. Like they have Brandon Ingram. Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball. Lon- so Lonzo okay, Ball is a restricted free agent. And I think if the Raptors were able to get Evan Mobley, the Pelicans want Kyle Lowry. I would do a sign and trade Kyle Lowry to Evan to, to New Orleans if they were willing to give him the bag and take Lonzo Ball. That that would be a great trade for both teams. The Pelicans need Kyle Lowry. They need him so badly. Okay, but that can't be just like a one-for-one one trade. You got to give more than they just have, Lonzo Ball. Well, it, for Kyle so it would be like it would be like because because it's a sign and trade, his value isn't as high. Um, they'd probably take Lonzo Ball on a first or, or something like that, and that's that's enough for the Raptors to say, okay, we'll take that that's instead of letting him walk. Um, and I mean, Lonzo Ball would would fit perfectly on the Raptors. He would he would be because Fred VanVleet shouldn't be a point guard; he should be a shooting guard. And Lonzo Ball can defend shooting guards, and Fred can defend point guards, and they can switch roles offensively. It would be really and pairing with Evan Mobley. It would make Pascal Siakam's life easy and OG's life easy. Um, it would be perfect. I really think it'd be incredible, like a, an amazing pairing. But and the Pelicans need Kyle Lowry so badly. Kyle Lowry would do for them what Chris Paul did for Phoenix, which I mean has been said a lot, but they just need something like Kyle Lowry is the kind of guy that could make them actually start winning games. Um, but I mean, they fired Stan Van Gundy, he was like the worst coach in the league last year. Um, and they should be better this year. They will they'll be better. Steven Adams doesn't fit on that team either. Like, they can't have Steven Adams at center next to Zion. They need a guy who can shoot. So, someone like Miles Turner, if they can get him, that'd be good. Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez. He's a free agent, actually. So, they can get him. They Tingus have, Pingus, Tingus, P- Tingus Pingus, Pingus would be a good fit. He'd be a good fit. Imagine him milking threes with Zion hitting the glass. That'd just, that, that would be dirty. That would be dirty, yeah. With uh, but they just they need to figure out the point guard thing because I guess they don't see Lonzo as a long term thing. Point Zion, man. That's fair. I think Zion's probably his best at center, just like banging, like just blowing by guys and dunking on them. Yeah. Like, like there's no, there's not, not a center in the league that can defend him, and put him pick and roll. He's unstoppable. Truly unstoppable. Like his field goal percentage is insane. It's like seventy percent, and he's getting to the rim every play he wants. So they they need a point guard that can get him the ball which is literally Lonzo Ball. I don't really know why. I guess Lonzo's decision-making is pretty poor sometimes where he, like, makes decisions that lose them games. He, he like, he, he has, like, a 2K glitch when he's trying to shoot a three. He doesn't know whether whether to pass it yeah. or, or pull up. Yeah, I just remember that game against New York when they were, like, on the verge of making the playoffs, and, and he didn't – he, like, helped off – he helped off of an open guy – an open corner shooter. Uh, I think it was – it might have been, like uh, – what's his name, Alec Burks or something. Like, he helped off of a corner shooter, and, like, Stan Van Gandhi was, like, doing the Montrose Herald thing where he was, like, banging his head. <laughs> and, and, like, that's Lonzo Ball in a nutshell. So, you know, and he came down and, like, shot a, like he put, shot a pull-up three and just airballed, um, like, a possession before that. So I guess that's what you're getting when you get Lonzo Ball. But I do think on the Raptors, they would kind of rein him in and turn him into a better player. Whereas in New Orleans, the structure's not there, and the, 
They need, I guess they need the guy who's not going to handle the ball as much to give, to let Zion do the work. And also the Brandon Ingram pairing with Zion is not, it's probably not long-term. Yeah. What, what the hell is going on with Brandon Ingram? Like I thought he was good on the Lakers a little bit. And then he got most improved player on new Orleans. I haven't really seen anything from him. He had like a really good Christmas day game. I think um, that's his legacy. That's his like, he had like a legacy game on Christmas day. <laughs> uh put him in the pantheon he's probably a top 20 player after that but no i like he honestly it's hard to tell if he's a good good stats bad team guy or if he's like he can actually be a good player it could be a devin booker thing where if you just put him gave him like kyle lowry he could be really good but uh as of now he's doesn't really help them win even though he gets 25 on it on like good shooting numbers right well I think uh, that pretty much covers it, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about. No. No, just uh, go check out our, our movie on uh, Walnut House Pictures' YouTube channel. A Howl in the Night. Got, like, a Howl in the Night. We've got a couple coming out over the next couple months. So Yeah, we're filming another one in two, two weeks, three weeks. So three. lots coming through the pipeline in Walnut House Pictures. But uh, we'll be looking yeah. out for it. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us again. It was fun. Yeah, thanks for coming back on the podcast. I don't, I don't know why in the world you would come back for a second time on on this podcast, but just love you did the cold it. takes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, for the cold takes and the cold, yeah. even colder. Oh, it's the colder takes, cold brews. Colder takes. takes the right. The coldest right. takes. The coldest takes. takes. I mean, our our past podcast, we had some pretty good takes. Um, we had but, some hot ones. Yeah. Yeah. We had some cold ones too, though. We did. That Randall, Randall take wasn't great. Didn't, no, didn't was, shape out well. <laughs> didn't age well. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, next year. Thanks so much, right. guys. Okay. Right. Well, thanks for having us. Appreciate See it. See you next time. Later. Thanks for listening to this podcast. And make sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. We got a lot more exciting content on the way. So, as always, make sure to stay tuned. Stay thirsty and keep bruising.